I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. All right, this is The Big Douglas Show featuring the rapper Big Pooh. And our guest today from USA Today Sports is Mike Jones. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Or it might be Mike Jones. It took off wildly popular, but I'm surprised that that hadn't happened before. I mean, Mike Jones, the the rapper, is not new. You are not new. I'm surprised nobody's done that before. Oh, it has happened many, many times. (laughs) Uh, Many times in locker rooms, many times just on the street. Just it, It happens all the time. That was just uh, the first time it happened in a press conference. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's a Friday. We start out the show with the birthday game. I'll read out some celebrities. Uh, you two will try to get closest to their age. Mike forewarned, Big Poo takes this game seriously. He plays to win. <laughs> He's pretty good at it. So here we go. It is, uh, it is Eva Longoria's birthday this week. Okay. I will say, am I going first or is Big Poo you, going first? You can go first. You're the guest. I'm going to say Eva's probably 48 now. I'm going to go 50-50. The Longoria is 46 this week. Oh, I was way Ooh. off. <laughs> I gave her two years. It is, uh, it is Will I Am's birthday this week. Will I Am's birthday. I probably should know this one. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go 47 for Will I Am. I'll say I'll hit him at 50. Will I Am also turns 46 this week. It was close. It is it is Flavor Flav's birthday. Mm. How old is Flavor? Oh man. <laughs> Ooh, this gonna be a good one. Uh I think Flavor's probably 61. I was gonna say 62, so I, I agree with you there. That's gotta it feels right. 62. Uh, it, it. it uh from overboard fame that's one of my favorite movies kurt russell has a birthday this week mm. Mm. this is oh this is an interesting one i know kurt is up there <laughs> kurt, kurt has to be about i'm gonna go 62 mm. you know 65 Kurt Russell is 70. Oh, what? 70 this week. Wow. And probably the uh, the actress Glenn Close has a birthday this week. Mm. I know I'm going to get this wrong. Um. <laughs> let's go. Uh, let's go. Seven, no. Uh, let's go about 69. I'll say 65. Glenn turned 74 this week. 74 for Glenn Close. Wow. All right. All right. Not bad. Uh, Mike, I was excited to get you on this week during the middle of free agency. 
I'm curious the machinations on how y'all get these stories, right? So when when the news is released at 5.30 in the morning the other day that, that Washington football team has come to terms, when do you guys start hearing that? How, how does that start coming for you guys? Do you, how far out do you hear? Because it feels like Ashburn's been kind of bottled up this year. We haven't heard like a whole lot coming out of there. How does that work for you guys? Um, it kind of just depends. It depends on relationships you have with guys, people in the building um, or with agents. Uh, sometimes you might hear, oh, this is getting close and uh, you get a heads up. Sometimes you just happen to be checking in with somebody right as something happened. Um, you know, it, it really just varies on when you'll find out or how you'll find out. Um, you know, Ashburn has had a lot of turnover so I think that's why it's been a little more bottled up because, um, you know, everybody's working on cultivating new sources, um, you know, and, and things like that. You know, it's a coaching staff that a lot of the reporters didn't have the opportunity to be face to face with. Um, front office has changed. Um, so you're still getting to know people and being able to break news and report on that all goes back to the relationships you've had, the trust you've built up. So it's still very new. Uh, for everybody who covers that team. That's and, you know, like when you say how you find out, like I had woken up at 4.30, was that Wednesday morning? And I pulled up Instagram as I'm getting ready to go to the gym. And I see Trent Williams had announced his, his news. You know, it was kind of a little, little, little vague, you know, and I shot a text and Shortly, like before I even got a reply, as soon as I hit send, like Diana tweeted, boom, Trent Williams, da, da, da. you know, so it's like you just happen to be waking up at the time that he just put out the, you know, it's there have been times I know that I've gone to bed like, OK, you know what, it's, it's two o'clock, nothing's going to happen. I go to bed and then you wake up at six o'clock the next morning and the news broke like half hour after you zonked off, you know, so there's no set time. It's just kind of, you know, how it how it goes. So, Mike, I was going to ask, how much sleep do you get during free agency, at, at least at the very start of free agency? Uh, it just kind of depends. Um, you know, if you I used to, like, stay up all night long and, you know, try to, like, get, you know, every single nugget. Then you kind of realize, you know, like, if you get that nugget, like, it's going to be forgotten who got it after, like, 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Um, so to kill yourself. When, uh, you know, it's such a short amount of time, sometimes you're better if you're tired, it's better off just to go to sleep, wake up the next morning, talk to people, get the context uh, and, and tell them, tell the story of how it came together, uh, just rather than, you know, staying up all night long. You got to be smart. You got to take care of yourself. It's it's a it's a long uh, stretch. Uh, so, you know, I'd say four or five hours of sleep. You are you were at the post covering the, the Redskins at the time. Uh, you're at USA Today now. I, I'm curious as a national guy, when you were the local guy, is it frustrating when the national guy gets the story about the local team before you guys do? And, and do you kind of get the inverse of that now that you're a national guy? No, I mean, it kind of just all, it all depends. There were, there were, it was frustrating at times. Um, but you also, you understand the game, like, okay, whether it's agents, 
um, or whether it's team personnel people, they know, okay, if I put my message out to this place, it's going to get out to everybody. So why not give it to Adam Schefter, you know? Um, or, or maybe they have relationships with them from the past. Like when I uh, covered Washington with Mike Shanahan was there, those two had written a book together, you know? Um, so we knew we were never going to scoop Schefter on uh, any news there, you know? Sometimes you could get little nuggets because, you know, if you have relationships with other people, maybe you find out before. Um, so there were a couple times you might get some when you're the beat guy, you know, the insides and outs, you know, the players to go to, the people upstairs to go to, the coaches to go to. So sometimes it's easier like that. When you're national, um, you know, you're not there every day. So there's some drawbacks to that because it's harder to build up relationships with people when you're not seeing them, you know, every day or every week. Um, and you're relying on the relationships you have with agents or with players or whatever. Uh, but it's harder to, to keep it fresh. Now, again, if you're the big national guy, and I talked to one, I remember years ago when I was frustrated on Washington, an agent that I, you know, thought I had a good relationship with. And I was like, Hey man, you told me you were going to let me know when this dude signed He's like, Oh yeah, he signed. And I was like, Hey, but like, remember you, you kind of said you were going to look out for me. He's like, Oh yeah, man. But you know, if I give it to ESPN, it's going to hit billions of eyeballs. If I give it to you, you know, it might, you know, it's going to hit, you know, thousands of people, but then, then it's going to take a little longer to get out there. So I just want to like, I put it on blast so everybody can know, um, you know, so I hope you understand. And, you know, it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's like in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, you can just not much you can do. You can be on your grind and you try and you know, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. Mike, I, I, I like asking reporters this question. Um, how different has it been for you to cultivate newer uh, relationships during this pandemic? Uh, it's been very hard uh, because the great thing about when you are at training camp or in a midweek trip where you jump in like on a Wednesday or whatever, when there's open locker room, there's, there's 53 guys in that locker room and you go up, you talk, you meet them face to face and you can bounce around and maybe come out of a locker room, 45 minute locker room session with like seven different story ideas. Um, or, you know, if you are there at training camp, you can ask to talk to a position coach or whatever that's building a relationship when you're not in those locker rooms because everything's on zoom, it's, it's a lot harder. You don't have that one-on-one -on -one time. Uh, you know, if like even the super bowl covering that thing, those players, the way they had it set up, they could see themselves on the screen, but they couldn't even see the reporters faces. Uh, so you're definitely not putting a face with a name. When I did that thing with Lamar, like I've talked to Lamar Jackson, like multiple times in the locker room or whatever. Uh, but then, you know, they said my name, it was like, oh, you know, the name and he wasn't thinking, you know, but when you're seeing faces or whatever, it's so much easier. So not having that face to face has definitely made it more challenging. Um, but everybody's working with the same thing. So you just got to roll with it. Now, I, I know when we were talking earlier, you said you were hopping on the, um, the press conference uh, for Stafford after after you were with us. It got me to thinking. Uh, how do you find out when you're up in the order for question asking and, and how many questions you have to have prepared, assuming that somebody asks your question before they get to you? 
Yeah, you know, um, the week leading up, like you'll check in with a PR person, be like, hey, when's this press conference? Um, and be like, hey, I really, I want to ask him A, B, and C. Uh, that helps sometimes. Uh, they say, okay, we'll look out for you, but make sure you raise your hand in the Zoom room. Um, so you do that, you put your hand up and you don't know what order, but lots of times the local people will get it first. And so, you know, you're going to be after that. And it's hard. You Like you said, yeah. So the local people, they know the team inside and out. They have their questions they got to ask. And yeah, maybe somebody might ask your question, but then sometimes because they're so close and they got to ask about every shoulder and knee injury and lineup change, sometimes they don't get to your question. So you can't ask your question, but you kind of just got to be quick on your feet. Uh, you know, you don't, you know, there's multiple things you want to know about this guy. Uh, so maybe it's following up because that's the other bad thing about this is you'll ask a question, but you, they, lots of times they turn off your mic. So you can't go back to it saying, Hey, um, but what exactly does this mean? So maybe even if he answers something similar, that was a question, you can still go back and follow up and, and build upon it. If you didn't get the answer that you needed. Mike, what has surprised you thus far in a free agency, NFL free agency? Um, I guess the number of bridge quarterbacks that were signed, you know, like Dak Prescott got a big deal, but otherwise a bunch of one-year deals, like six quarterbacks got one-year deals. And it's clear that those teams just see them as, uh, like I said, a bridge to the next guy. Uh, so Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andy Dalton and Cam Newton and all those guys, they're basically one-year rentals and these teams going to be interesting. Are they you know, going to draft or do they wait till next year to try to address their long-term picture? Um, so that's been, that's been uh, surprising that as many of those guys flew off the board as quickly as they did. Um, otherwise, I think that everything is pretty much, you know, hasn't been too, too surprising. Um, just as I'm trying to think off the top of my head, uh, it, it's kind of gone right along with, with what you kind of thought it would look like. What about the uh, New England Patriots spending spree, the unusual spending spree? <laughs> yeah, but I felt like that was coming because, you know, they had so much cap space and last year they didn't do a whole lot. You knew that they were just kind of like saving their pennies. And so this year, you knew all that cap space. You knew Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl. Bill Belichick is like, oh, come on. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going hard. We're going to fortify this roster. When they re-signed Cam, which I thought was going to be a good idea, when they re-signed Cam, I said, oh, they're definitely going to go out there and spend to put as much around him as possible. Uh, because Bill Belichick never wants to see seven and nine and missing the playoffs ever again for the remainder of his coaching career. So that made sense. Um, they've addressed uh, pressing needs. They had awful tight end position last year. They got two tight ends. Still need some little help, a wide receiver, but they added extra line, offensive linemen. Uh, they got help for their defense. Uh, this looks like this is going to be a, a Patriots team that's kind of restocked and, and ready to contend for that division title again. It probably, probably also didn't uh, hurt that the Bills got good and the Dolphins are getting better in a division where it didn't take too much to win in the past. Uh, it's interesting, you brought up Fitzpatrick, and of course we do a lot of Washington here. So I'm curious, and I know Brady's a bit of an outlier, but I wonder if teams won't use what I've been calling the Tampa Bay model, 
which is filling the roster out. You know, like Washington could use this whole draft, not do quarterback, add a guy like Jalen Waddle in the first or a receiver like that or offensive line. And then next year, say they don't necessarily like the way that it worked with the quarterback where he was just good enough. And Matt Ryan will get let go, let's say, if they draft quarterback. Right. Will teams start, instead of paying $40 million a year to a young quarterback, will they start filling out rosters like Tampa Bay did and then adding a guy that, say, can go for two or three years and give you quality play with a team that is really, really good or filled out roster-wise? It, it, you could. I mean, everybody wants that franchise guy, um, but you know it takes time to develop that guy. Um, it's very rare that you can just plug a guy in. Um, if you've got a, a win-ready roster like, New, like Tampa Bay had, okay, do you bring Jameis Winston back or do you swing for the fences on Tom Brady? You do, boom, you plug in Brady and then look what happened there. Not a lot of teams are right on that cusp. I think Washington wants to continue to compete in their division so that's why they knew, okay, we need, okay, we're moving on from Alex Smith. We need another veteran guy to keep the seat warm. And as we continue to grow, because um, Ron Rivera is all about building for the future, which is, as we saw, when they benched Dwayne Haskins um, and we're hoping that they could contend for their division, they went with Kyle Allen. He got hurt. Then they went with Alex Smith. So that way they could keep on competing while developing young talent. So they wanted a veteran guy in here. Now, I still think they'll probably draft somebody that they can groom for the future, but at least they're not going into this with an unproven guy and Taylor Heineke behind him as his backup because he's limited and then risking taking steps backward and taking their lumps. Sometimes you are at that spot where you just have to hit the reset. You're coming off of multiple double-digit loss seasons and you get the high pick and you do go and get your Joe Burrow or you do go and get, um, you know, a, a number two guy, a guy that's in the top five, like or like Tua. But Washington, they're picking like 19th. So there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to get one of those coveted, highly touted rookies. So in that case, what do you do? You get a veteran and you get a project guy that you can develop after. And so I think a lot of teams like the Bears, they made the playoffs last year. And they knew they didn't want uh, Mitchell Trubisky anymore. So you get Andy Dalton because their, their efforts for Russell Wilson fell apart, didn't pan out. You get Andy Dalton, but you know, okay, one year, we're going to have to get somebody else so that way they're ready for next year. So I think a lot of teams are like, okay, since we're on that cusp, let's find a veteran and then address our future, um, even if it means like a developmental year or two. What has the national talk been about the Washington football team? Um, not just what they're doing in free agency, but just this whole past year. Um, I know, Doug, we, we always ask this question when we get national reporters on. Just what is the the perception or the view of the, the team now compared to what it was when you were covering them uh, uh, locally? Um, I think that Ron Rivera brings um, a high level of respect, um, you know, highly regarded around the league, both as a leader, as a coach. Um, uh, they have a, a, a talented defense. So uh, I think team, people see them as a team that's on the up and the only upswing. Um, you know, they had a lot of turmoil that went on. I don't think that surprised anybody around the league. Um, the off field stuff, um, you know, it was bad, but a lot of people had heard, you know, stuff that was going on behind the scenes. 
um, as well. But from a football standpoint, they look at this as a team that has a great defense, a lot of great young playmakers on defense. Um, and they, they've got some young pieces on offense that could pin out, but they just need to continue to add. Um, and now having won the division last year, I don't know that anybody is thinking they're going to be championship contenders um, this year, but I think people, I think they earned some respect um, with the way that they were able to fight and to, to defy odds and make the playoffs, win the division. They're a little, probably a little bit ahead of schedule from what people might've expected. Mark, if you check uh, Washington football team, Twitter, it's like in Ron, we trust all the way. It's been kind of interesting that way. I was thinking back to when Shanahan got here, and I'm glad we had you on today because I know you were covering the team then. I mean, he had just people were really excited, right? Because he was a Super Bowl winning coach. Things had not gone well. This was like, oh, this is really great. And and even with Allen, people are excited because it was kind of a guy that had been around football. Right. It seems like the the room that Rivera has gotten. Is even bigger than that of when Shanahan got here. Is that how it feels to you? Um, it's different. Um, there were really high expectations when Shanahan coming in, and look, they they had Shanahan, they got Donovan McNabb. You know, you're thinking, oh, Donovan McNabb had tormented Washington for so many years, and then you know you got a Super Bowl winning head coach, you got a quarterback who was a proven guy. So I think the expectations were really high, but things. Uh, soured pretty quickly, you know, between McNabb and Shanahan. Then they got RG3 and there was some hope. Um, and then things fell apart that way there. Um, and so I think that the fan base went through a couple down years and, you know, the Jay Gruden stuff was just up and down and way more lows than there were highs. But, but there's something about Ron Rivera and the way he carries himself. Um, I think he's a more inspirational type of figure than what uh, Mike Shanahan was. I think people were pulling for him uh, from uh, the, the cancer uh, battle that he had and just the way that he comes off. He's very uh, personable and people, I think, they can watch the press conferences and imagine sitting down and having a talk with Ron about, you know, cutting grass or, or eating pizza or whatever. He seems like he's so down to earth. Whereas Mike Shanahan had a little bit more of a crusty exterior, a little bit aloof. Um, so I think that people were rooting for Ron. Um, and look, they saw him fight through what he did and get this team. And so everybody really, he's an easy guy to rally around. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen this year, but it does feel like this fan base is a little more cautiously optimistic, like, hey, like we took strides and Ron's going to get us there. Um, and I don't hear anybody talking about Super Bowl, but they just feel like this team can continue to grow. And that's probably more realistic and more healthy type of outlook than um, in years past. How, how did the league see Jay? Was, was he doomed because of Bruce Allen or was did they just not feel he was a great head coach? Well, respect no. his ex but no i mean people people respect jay as an offensive mind um you know he's john gruden's brother i think he always be john gruden's brother there were times i mean jay did have a steadying type of um when their backs were against the wall he could get them to win when it was games they should have won lots of times they, they he had trouble getting them up 
Um, they're kind of uneven. But there was a lot of stuff going on. Remember the whole Scott McLuhan stuff, the Bruce Allen stuff? There's a lot of drama going on here. Um, and Jay wound up getting some of that stink on him. You know, um, I know when he was interviewing for that job, somebody told him, look, there are car wash and reverse. You go in clean and you come out dirty. And tried to, you know, but he did take the job. But sure enough, just so much turmoil, so much drama, um, you know, so many, you know, the cousin stuff the there's so much swirling around you wonder the fact that he was even to have them on the cusp and winning a division title making to the playoffs one time uh despite all the stuff the rg3 stuff swirling around it was commendable but at the same time he, he couldn't get them to take that step to be a consistent winner they would take steps backwards so people i think see him as a good offensive mind maybe a better coordinator than a head coach. I want to switch gears just a little bit. I'd be remiss if we didn't at least speak about it. But can anybody make sense of what's going on down in Houston with Deshaun Watson? Like, did anybody see this coming? No. Um, this has been so bizarre. Um, just the way that this organization, they made the playoffs year before last. They're supposed to build on that. Um, and then Bill O'Brien gets rid of DeAndre Hopkins. And you're like, why are you getting rid of one of the best wide receivers in the game, if not the best wide receiver in the game? But then they signed Watson to that long extension. And then O'Brien's out after four games. And then the whole hiring thing, people, you know, you knew Watson wanted to be enemy. They hadn't even talked to be enemy. They, go back on their word and then Watson doesn't trust them and he wants out. And now all the stuff's rolling around Watson, you know, is this a smear campaign? I mean, what, you know, it's just, just very bizarre. I don't think anybody could have predicted this. Everybody I've talked to is like Deshaun. I mean, Deshaun is like the most respectful upstanding guy that they've been around. Nobody's heard a bad word about him from anybody nobody's seen questionable behavior out of him um you know people don't care for the guy uh, busby the attorney who's leading this there's a lot of you know a lot of negative talk about him so you don't know this is just but it's just it, we've seen dysfunction in washington uh but you know this is next level you know crazy right here absolutely are you surprised if the uh, report was that the Bears offered Seattle three ones, a three, a couple starters. I mean, is that where we've gotten to premier quarterbacks? And and why would Seattle turn that down? Well, they would turn it down because they know they've got a proven thing. And there's no sure thing that if you give up that guy, that you're going to get a replacement. Um, and that's if they actually offered that much, you know, you know, behind, now after the fact, Chicago can kind of leak that to try to show their fans, hey, we were trying. You know, I know Andy Dalton's not, you know, anything to be excited about, but we did try. Now, who knows? Was it really three first rounds and all that that they offered? Was maybe it was not quite, maybe it was. But I do know that when all the Russell Wilson talk started, I checked with people who were very close, very plugged in with Seattle, and they said they're not trading him. Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter. And, and People also felt like he didn't really want to be traded. He felt like he could use that situation as leverage to drive them to do more with the roster around him. 
And sure enough, look, they went out, they've gotten uh, two quality offensive linemen. Uh, they have gotten uh, more help on their defense and watched through the draft here and free agents not over. They probably will add some more weapons for him as well. So I just know that they were adamant from the start that they weren't going to trade him. And here we are, you know, Chicago tried, but they just didn't have any interest. They weren't going to bite because they knew that Russell Wilson's a future hall of famer. Um, and he's, you know, not even 32 yet. And they got a lot of football left in him that they don't want to Pete Carroll's like 70, right? He don't want to hit the reset button when he could try to win, continue to win right now. So that's why I think that thing didn't come through. Mike, we're obviously nobody wins the offseason. It looks good, but it doesn't count when, you know, when when the football really goes in the air. But there's been a lot of talk about Washington looking like the favorites to repeat with their moves during free agency and just building on what they had last year and also the lack of movement uh, elsewhere in the division. Um, how, how do you see them looking you know, so far this upcoming, do they look like the favorites? Um, they'll make another move before free agency's over. We say, I said, and do you think they'll make another move before free agency's over? Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're done yet. They got to get, they still need to start left tackle. They still need um, another pass catching tight end to go um, with, um, uh, with uh, Logan Thomas uh, safety. They could probably use some help there. Um, so I think that they are up there. They've made strides. Uh, but at the same time, we haven't seen continuity out of this team here. They're hitting the reset button at the quarterback position. So it's not like you're actually build. Now, maybe he can elevate you further. But I think, you know, with Dallas, with Dak Prescott being back and healthy, uh, I think they're going to be in the thick of things there. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Giants now that they're going to be healthy again, getting Saquon Barkley back. I think Washington's right up there with them. I'm not going to say that they're the favorites to repeat just because, you know, a lot, they still need to add pieces and there's an acclimation period uh, for, for a new quarterback and, and changing an offense. And again, Dallas, you know, they do have a pretty talented roster. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mark, I'm curious when you're writing your stories, are you, is it a, is it a quiet room? Do you have music on? What are you listening to as you're preparing stories? Um, yeah, yeah um, it's normally, uh, yeah, in my room here at my desk. Um, I normally have, it could be anything on. I always have some kind of music on. It could be Sam Cooke. It could be Bill Weathers. It could be the Fugees. It could be Jay-Z. It could be, you know, I, it just kind of depends on what my mood is, you know. Um I don't have any just one go-to. Sometimes I'm feeling like old school stuff. And then sometimes, you know, it, it's newer stuff. Uh, but yeah, having the music going kind of helps the creative process and you just, you know, bang it out while jamming. Mike, we want to thank you for coming on today. We know you got, you know, other, other things to do today. Um, just let the people know where they can find you and what you have coming up next. Yeah, well, I appreciate you guys having me. This has been fun. We got to do it again. Um, you can find me at Twitter. Uh, at by Mike Jones. Instagram is at by Mike Jones. Um, my stories are on usatoday.com and my podcast, the Football Jones Podcast. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify. So um, uh, check it out. Thank you so much. Mike, we appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks. You guys have a good one. All right. You too.